You're listening to the Sobey Party Mix, and we have just heard the delicious sounds of Etta James mm-hmm. with I Just Want to Make Love to You, a staple of this program. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But, Cal, ever since the Sobey Party Mix began, we have had a list of dream guests. and. Yes. I have the pleasure of welcoming yet another one of those guests to the program right now. You may know them from Rock Quiz. You may know them as a member of the Black Sorrows or from their incredible solo albums. Please welcome a pillar of excellence in the Oz music scene, Vicar and Linda Bull. Oh, welcome to the show, ladies. Oh, my goodness me. Do you like that one? A pillar of excellence? That's cool. That's cool. Very cool. We try our best. And you succeed in spades. Oh, yeah. Now, this is... Thank you. Well, we must say you've got very good taste playing Edda James. Of course. And this program, we like to celebrate music of all genres and of all decades. Yeah. And that is... Absolutely, Vicar and Linda Ball, and of course, Edda James as well. Edda James is fantastic. He's oh. one of our favourite singers, so. Yes. You, you know, he's done well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. As this segment is called The Musician's Journey, I'm going to start with a question. I saw a question thrown to the both of you once of when did you realise that you could raise the temperature of the room with your singing? And your answer was when Joe Camilleri brought you forward and you started to incorporate part of your Tongan dance moves into the the style of... Yeah, the performance. Yeah, the performance. But my question is, going back even further, when did you realise that you both could sing incredibly well and that's what you wanted to do as a profession? So when did we realise that we could really? harmonise together? Yes, because everyone well, can sing, but not everyone can sing like you two. Uh, well, we were very, very young. And uh, I think we realised at a very young age that uh, we could sing in tune and that we could harmonise together because our mother taught us that. And I think she gave us that belief and that faith because if she thought that there was bad sounds coming out of our mouths, she would have shut us up immediately, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, because she's a singer herself. So, um, you know, because I think she heard that um, we could hold a tune and and sort of naturally knew where our voices could sing, that I was the high and Linda was the low part. And, and when she got us practising that and, and encouraging us, I think we realised then that we we kind of, we enjoyed it firstly. I think we really enjoyed making that sound and what came out of our mouths and the, the encouragement of mum and dad. And so we, that we realised that very, very young. But I think also, I, for me, it was like, it's two parts of that question. So we used to have this song book at school called Let Us Sing in, in Victoria. And in that book was a song called Kookaburra Sits in the Old Gum Tree. We all know that song. But yes. we sang it in harmony in a really unusual way that was taught in that book. And I thought, and we, did, we pulled it out at a family concert once in Wollongong because we used to drive up the, the coast from Melbourne to Wollongong on holidays and we sang it. The, the, the family would have a concert and Vicar and I stood up and sang it and I thought, I, I think we were about four or five and I thought, that doesn't sound too bad because it was quite a tricky arrangement. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then that was the first time. And then I think when we decided we wanted to be singers, well, I kind of didn't. Vicar was always going to be a singer, but for me... I never really thought that was a path. So they were two different 
answer to that part of the question. Mm. You know, I think Vicka dragged me into it. She's the one. I wouldn't do it if Vicka didn't ask me to join her. Vicka's, you know, all what was always going to be singing. She was always singing. I was sort of hanging around, I guess. But um... <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, you weren't hanging around. You were just doing other things. But I knew that we could harmonise together. So I said, "Come on, Lulu, let's go yeah. and give this a crack." You know. So I think yeah. Helen was sort of not sort of encouraged or pulled yeah. her along with me. Um, I wouldn't have done it. Linda would have been happily sitting in an art studio somewhere painting away. Yeah. Okay, so you've got the painting. And Vicka, you wanted to be a, a, was it a legal assistant? A legal? Secretary. Legal secretary. Yeah, kick-ass secretary. I loved it, you know, but I loved singing more. So, I mean, mean, singing was always my first choice, but I was, you know, mum said you can't just go out there and join a band, you know, you've got to have something to fall back on. So I went and did a a course and got a job and I, I loved being a secretary. But she whipped those lawyers into line, I tell you I what. Love, if they, no, I love, I love being organised. Fair. You know, I wouldn't want to be a lawyer and walking in to get Vicka to do my books. She's great because, you know, she doesn't take crap from anyone and, and, you know, they can be intimidating people, but she's just really amazing. And that skill has carried on into her singing because she's very organised with the filing. She knows how to read contracts. She knows how to type them up. No, 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 I don't know how to no. read contracts. <laughs> no, I know how to organise an office. Linda's, yeah. Linda's more the one that dots her eyes and crosses her T's. She's very careful about that stuff. I just kind of make sure the bills are paid on time. That's my job. Maybe I should have been a lawyer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, The Singing Secretary sounds like a great documentary in the near future. <laughs> Look, singing Secretary. Singing Secretary. I'll take a credit on that one. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> but do you find it similar in the way that uh, you ladies write your songs as well? Is someone sort of dotting the I's, crossing the T's? Is someone just making sure that all the notes are out there? Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I think because of, because of Dark Horse with the songwriting, um, always says she's not interested, but she, he is very good at it. So I think it's collaborative. I think we need to lock ourselves in a room together more often because I, and now we've got guitars and we're learning guitars. It's going to be a very interesting process. But I think initially, definitely, I was the one that would say, come on, we've got to finish this. Let's not make cups of tea and, and or go to the pub. We have to finish this song. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I wish to be locked in a room with you two while you're creating a song. I think that would be the most. I don't, no. I don't, I don't think no, you'd like you <laughs> No, <like> no. <laughs> yeah, you want to kill us. You really would. Oh, look, it'd be fascinating we're either dying. way. I think the most gratifying thing about songwriting, and we have written a couple, you know, like we always say that we don't really songwrite, but we have written a lot. And I think the hardest thing is, is coming out at the end of the day with something that you would play to somebody else or that oh. you're happy with, you know. We just happened to write Grandpa's song within, you know, during an afternoon session, and that was the first song we ever wrote. And because we hadn't done it before, we didn't hold back, and it was we're still singing that song today. So I think if you take that approach, you walk into a room without anything, and you walk out with something. It's that is the exciting part for me. You know, if you can walk out with something and you can play it to somebody, that's great. And I also think it's having the guts to do it in yeah in front of people. It's yeah, you know, because it's. You know, you're sort of bearing your soul and it can be, you know, sometimes it can be very embarrassing and you just wonder how people will react and, and you know, often I'm, I'm scared of that, that I'll get laughed at and, or, you know, just told me, you know, they told that, you know, that's a pretty crappy song, I wouldn't sing that if I were you. I think it's that fear of rejection that, that I have a problem with with songwriting. Yeah, but it, and that's, that's the other thing is it doesn't really matter. If, I'll go back on what I said. It doesn't really matter whether you can play it to anybody. Really, what you need to know is that what it says to you. And uh, if it says something to you, then that's fine. 
Yes, because when I, play it to anyone. when I saw you at the Tivoli and you talked about, I don't want to say that you hated songwriting, but you <laughs> you weren't a huge fan of the process. I was sort of shocked because I know that you've done a lot of the songs on a lot of the albums. And I was intrigued because I know when we were talking with Francesca de Valence a few weeks back, who is the co-founder of the Wit Sunday Songwriters Festival, as someone who can write songs but isn't a massive fan of the process, what do you bring to a songwriters festival? Uh, patience. <laughs> patience. Yes. And a good time, I'm sure. Yes. I've been thinking about this very thing and, I, and it's, it is something that I've been ticking over. I think you have to be prepared to be completely honest with a bunch of people that you don't know and not try to be too fancy. Just be really simple with the language and honest with yourself and start from there and and as long as you know what, what the message is, if people can understand what you're singing about and you've got a good sense of it yourself, then that's what you can bring. I think Vicar and I do have that somewhere in there, somewhere, there's a sense of we know when something's really good or we know when something's really bad. Yeah. And also I think, you know, and also learning, sitting down and, and, and writing with different people is that sometimes ideas, you know don't come straight away, you've just got to sit maybe sometimes and just you know, and I think maybe the Whit Sundays is the perfect place for that because you can just stare out at the ocean and contemplate life, perhaps. And sometimes you've just got to have that calm and peace, just mm-hmm. think about things. And I think you don't have to. I think in the past I've kind of panicked and thought, oh, my God, you've got to say something, got to say something. But you don't have to. I think just giving yourself time, I think, is a good thing. And that leads me to my next question, which is you've released so many solo albums. I'm intrigued. Do you sometimes go, OK, we're going to make an album around this theme and then try and write the songs to match the theme? Or do you go, we have these five songs that we definitely know that we want to put on an album and then you create the rest of the album around those songs you already have. Yeah, that. It's both. both. Oh. Princess mm. Taboo. Princess Taboo was a song that we, a record that we, we, we came at it from a particular angle, which was, you know, in Tongan influence, influenced by our heritage, our, the instruments they use, melody structure, that sort of thing. We came at that record with that. And that's the brief we gave to other songwriters. And, and, and we started all those songs from ourselves from the ground up. But with a song like From the Weight, the lead song with that was Raise Your Hand. It was a very strong anthem that Casey Chambers and Brandon Dodd wrote. And it sort of led the way for all the other songs. We went, that's what we want to be talking about. With mm-hmm. different people, yeah, and that came other way. And the songs started coming in. They, we started choosing them based around that idea and and what we are like as singers making a record twenty years after the last one. Yeah, and then sometimes you know, like our very first album was was a collection of songs from different Australian singers songwriters, and we we were sort of discussing that in the very beginning. You know, what is the theme? Where mm. where does what what are we doing here? What type of record is it going to be? And we sort of thought, well, maybe it's the harmony that'll be what speaks, you know, yep. just the fact that we sing together. So it can come, you know, it comes many different ways. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So the answer is both. Oh. And sometimes, you know, you get you can think a bit too deeply too about things, and then you procrastinate, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, just you're constantly experimenting and making mistakes, and and sometimes you can just think a little bit too hard, I think, and then. Yeah, and and take a bit too long, you know. Sometimes I think you just got to go. Okay, we just got to whack it down, and because you know, amazing things can come from that too. 
It's like a queen's of procrastination. That's another thing we could be. It's like it's not only the singing secretary, but it's the queens of procrastination. Vic and I are very good at it. All the work that these ladies put in seriously, seriously pays off Mm. because several ARIA nominations over Mm. the years. In 2019, they were inducted into the Music Victoria Hall of Fame. Rightly so. In 2022, awarded with the Order of Australia Medal. Rightly so. And this year, they had an APRA nomination for My Heart is in the Wrong Place. Epic song. So, first of all, a massive congratulations to you both. But how does it feel to have your work recognised in such a huge way? Well, you know, it's it's an honour to be awarded the Order of Australia Medal. That was kind of very unexpected and mm. that was a wonderful thing for our parents to witness and be a part of. You know, the Arias, you know, nominated but never won one. Now, that is something that wouldn't mind one. You know, everyone poo-poos the Arias, but everyone really wants one. <laughs> I will make one um, and ship one to you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> awards, are, I don't know. Mindy, what do you reckon? I oh, look, I love them. I mean, you know, I always want... <laughs> <laughs> I never want anything. You want to fill I, I, that shelf, don't you, Liz? I want to fill that shelf, you bet. When we got the, into the Music Victoria Hall of Fame, I thought they'd made a mistake because, you know, there's ACDC, John Farnham, Judith Darwin, people like that. I thought, what the heck? Mm. But you know what? I thought, great. Isn't that amazing? We've been at it for a long time and we really didn't do it for that. But someone's watching and the fact that we're in there, I, I love it. And, you know, I, we got a, a, a diving award from our old high school the other day. I'm proud of that too. You know, I'm proud of getting all these things because we love what we do. And, and I say to my kids, if you do something you love, you know, success will follow. Don't chase the other way. So, you know, Vicar and I are just really lucky and we, we're very appreciative. Success will follow. Too true. And I think that's the charm about the harmonies that you two bring to the world stage. Mm. It's such a, a, a delicious charm. We like Scrumptious. To call it. Scrumptious. Yes. And <laughs> it's so great that Vicar and Linda, you're both recognised with these awards because it is so well deserved. And you are both just fantastic, fantastic musicians. Thank you. That's a really lovely thing. Thank to you say. very we much. Appreciate that. When I briefly met you after your gig at the Tivoli uh, a few months back, Linda, I just had to give you the compliment. I've never, I could have watched the delicate finesse of you playing a tambourine for days on end. <laughs> I've got to tell you, my husband, who is a drummer, calls Linda the uh, Aussie champ of tambourine. Oh. <laughs> You know, yeah, and she she really is. She's really really good at playing the tambourine, and she, you know, she can do all sorts of tricks. And you know, I, I'm sure she would get a lot more flamboyant if I allowed her to. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, let her go for it. And I think you know, perhaps we should let her unleash her Tracy Partridge on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's a skill. It's a very hard instrument to play. I was, yeah. you know, given it by Peter Luskin when we were in the Black Sorrows, and he said, you know, Vicar and I were both given percussive instruments, but. I just love the tambourine. It's very hard to play. It's hard because it's so loud. And if you get it wrong, it really annoys the crap out of everybody. So mm. I'm, I'm very proud to say that, you know, tambourine, uh, if people like it, then I'm proud of that. Oh, and also because you take turns when you're in concert, you do plenty of duets, of course, but then you take your, your solo songs as well. And when you're playing the tambourine and it looks like you're the band director at the same time, like band direction and the tambourine playing makes my head spin and I, oh, it was fantastic to watch. <laughs> Thank you. One of those moments. I can't wait because Cal and I are both fans of strong female vocals. Oh, yeah. And 
I oh, cannot wait good. to see the look on his face when he gets to see you guys perform live for the first time. I cannot wait. <laughs> well, you know, I think that we, we're big fans of that too. I mean, we, we love all those singers like Edda and Ruth Brown and Aretha Franklin and Mahalia Jackson and, mm. you know, they're all our favourite singers. So, and, and there's something to be said for, um, I think, when you see someone belting it out and, and taking control and... And just having that, you can see someone make, you know, have such power and it's very kind of awe-inspiring. Well, that's what's always kind of moved me. So, mm-hmm. you know, I can understand how you feel. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Excellent. Oh, yeah. When we were preparing for this interview, I was, of course, watching your live performances on YouTube. And it was at last, Edda James, at New Year's Eve, I think. And I just, you know, dropped everything. <laughs> yes. That was fun, the ABC, the Harbour Bridge in the background. Beautiful. Stunning. (laughs) Thank you. Well, we'll loop back because I have more compliments about more specific performances coming up. I was just curious... Because you perform so much, the social media uh, lockdown performances that you guys put on uh, Instagram, did you do those live performances for your own sanity while you were in lockdown or was it for the fans at the same time? Well, you know... I've got to say, we didn't have much of a big big uh, following on social media when we started, but after the first one, things kind of changed, and then we realised that there was a lot of our fans that were on Facebook, and mm-hmm. it was like, okay, well, we maybe we should start, you know, interacting with it a bit more and doing a bit, and I think it encouraged us, and then what happened from there, it kind of, it kept us sane during that period. We wanted to kind of lie down sometimes too, but it actually made us work harder and and it was a good thing to focus on something else other than, you know, what was going on around us. So initially it was for the fans and then it became very helpful and healing for us as well. Between your live performances and the exercise videos with Kate Sobrano, I was set. <laughs> you did them, did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes in the studio. That's great. I love that. Uh, We were talking before about the incredible uh, live performances that Cal has been catching up on. Yeah. Because Cal is the same age that uh, you were when you started performing together. He's 21. So he's catching up on classic Australiana music. Yes. Yes, I am. I am. And it's great to be part of, you know, the community radio scene now. I get introduced to these artists that I've never heard of before, but were staples before my time or at the Mm. start of my time. And it's great. And I I just can't wait to see both of you live at Sirame Wineries on the 2nd of December, because from what I've seen already, it's going to be a religious experience, as Tony calls it. Oh, a religious experience. Well, you're, going to see, you're going to actually see a few kind of powerful female performers on that day because Jackson Brown has all female support, Ooh. you know, which I found very interesting because you've got Liz Stringer, who's Ooh. amazing, you incredible. know, the weight, incredible, oh. you know, and, you know, again, sisters who, who harmonise. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just, it's, it's like, what, what's Jackson up to here, you know? It's like... Uh, <laughs> He's really got good taste. He's got very good taste. Yeah. I've long time been obsessed with, one, strong female vocals, two, amazing backup singers, and three, incredible harmonies. Mm. And I think all of those things stem from the two of you. Aww. Well, (laughs) I could tell you exactly where I was when I heard When Will You Fall For Me for the first time. Really? Where were you? Oh. 
I was on Ford Road in Rochdale. <laughs> I can t- exactly. I can tell you exactly where I was, and I just I remember leaning forward in the car, going, "What is this? What's happening right now?" And that love has followed through my entire life and into the sets that I put together on Bay FM now. Oh, thank you. So, as Molly Meldrum would say, do yourself a favour. Oh, I was entranced and enthralled from the moment you walked out onto the stage at the Tivoli doing the Tongan dance. I just, I wasn't ready. We had a good night that night, Tony. That was a really good show and our band was on fire and we were just so glad you were there to see that show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I could barely speak the next day because I was primal screaming at the both of you on stage. (laughs) It was just something to behold. And it was. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. That's why. Lovely. uh, I just want to thank you both for coming on the program. It really does mean a lot to me. And Mm. I just hope. So many people get along to this gig at Cirame Wineries. And, of course, if you want to find out more about Vicar and Linda, the book, No Bull, is out now, right. which, by the way, great title. It Who came title. up with that? Our publisher. Oh. <laughs> oh, but still. I wish we could find a good, you know, like a good lie. But, no, he, he he's Irish. He's got a very straight way of speaking. And he said, I think we should call it this. And we both looked at each other and went, yeah, okay, we like that. That's fine. That was so easy. And if you are listening to this on Spotify and you want to find out where Vicar and Linda are playing near you, go to their socials, Vicar and Linda. It's that simple. Find out the information, put the money on the table and go see the concert. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh, Vicar, Linda. You two have been fabulous. Oh, Oh, thank you, ladies. Much the same to you. We are all the better for having spoken to you today. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for your time. Oh, anytime. And we'll see you on the 2nd of December. Great. Yeah, great. Forward to it. Oh, excellent. Amazing. Thank you so much. We're going to throw to fantastic songs from Vicar and Linda Bull right now on the Sobe Party Mix. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you both so much.